Welcome back. Hey guys. Woo! To the Spiritual Spectrum Podcast. This is Taylor. And I'm Elena. And today we are definitely scratching the surface, unclear how deep we're going to go, but we're talking about alien abductions and the connections between alien abductions and spirituality, spiritual experiences, spiritual practices, native cultures, etc. Yeah, it's uh, said that alien abduction can lead to spiritual transformation. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm not sure I would like you know, recommend. (laughs) Look, it wouldn't be my first choice. I was actually, as I was reading this book, I was like, the reason that I don't really like to watch, you know, movies like um, Insidious is like, I feel like if I Mm. open myself up to scary demonic shit and I consume it and it's in my mind, then maybe I'll attract it into my experience. And I have absolutely zero desire to have something like that happen to me and so i'm like if i, totally I you on that. if i start to go into alien abduction am i opening myself <laughs> up to being abducted by aliens because just so you guys know i prefer not to do that i really would like to not yeah, have that happen i'm like i i like to be in control of my body <laughs> for the most part but um i started reading a book called Taken inside the alien human abduction agenda. And the I, agenda. And it's by Dr. Carla Turner, PhD. So it, we're not talking like, you know, some person who is just writing a book to be sensational. Do you think that her PhD means that she's not interested in being sensational? <laughs> that she could be someone with a degree and a total fucking lunatic. I'm just saying. No no hate, Carla. I don't know you, but I'm just saying. But that, yeah. reading that book, I had to stop because it felt like reading a Stephen King book. Yeah. I was like... It's like you read it in the light of day. Yeah morning preferably and I was totally like you know they start they start talking about all the shared experiences and like how you hear the humming sounds and how you see the lights and it's all the same thing and I'm like well now am I going to start hearing the clicking and the humming are you gonna lose time (laughs) yeah am I gonna lose time Mm -hmm. dude I was yeah I was getting a little freaked out I had to stop reading it because um it felt like reading a horror story. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's so interesting is that in the book that I read, which is my source for this podcast, it's called Passport to the Cosmos by John E. Mack, who's an MD. So you know he's not here for bullshit because he's a doctor and <laughs> there's never a crazy doctor. And I think he was from um, uh, Harvard, right? Harvard professor of psychiatry and a Pulitzer Prize winning author. There you go. There you go. But what's interesting is that in this book, they talk about your perspective on the experience is really important. So it's like when we don't have a framework and we just like have our materialist view of alien abduction, we see it as such a terrifying, like unknown thing. Like one of the people talks about how it's very different than like being kidnapped by a human because you know that that's a human and you know that you're on earth and all of these things. But when it's like when you are abducted by some other being and you don't they don't look normal they're not familiar there's so much unknown it's like this primal intense fear and it's so different but it's like you know are you gonna choose to look at okay what am I being what am I being shown what am I being taught like is this you know only about uh horrific experience and torture or is it like oh there's symbols here and I'm 
being like shown a different way of being and so like I didn't personally go into like the real spooky like scary experiences I didn't even really read that many stories yeah well Carla Turner's book even though it was kind of scary um it was filled with messages like that of like being taught how to pilot the ship and being Mm -hmm. shown different technologies and also uh, being told that they are special or chosen or that the person who has been abducted is somehow chosen for a specific purpose which you know we're talking about spirituality like coming in from some unknown place (laughs) Yeah. Just, yeah, just some aliens telling me I'm the chosen one. It's cool. <laughs> hey, man, they're star people. All right. So they just have a direct connection to source that we don't have. Maybe they live in the 4D. That's what one of these ladies who had a story or had an experience. Uh, that's how she described it. They live oh. in the 4D and we live in the 3D. Maybe she just is using words and she doesn't, you know, maybe it's not right. But it's interesting mm. how a lot of the people in this book you know, it really led them to a spiritual awakening. And they were like, the experience of fear is about teaching you to face your fear. It's about Mm. teaching you how to kind of like take your own power back and overcome fear. And a lot of them ended up finding that it's like, now all the things about my human experience that used to be so important, I just realized like, this is such a brief moment. And there's more to life than what we experience on Earth. Right. And not being afraid of death anymore and all these things. It, like, it was really empowering for some people. It almost sounds like a near-death experience reaction. Yes. Yes. Or like a spiritual awakening. Um, yeah. You know, a dark night of the soul. It's just like, totally. are you are you getting activated through potentially alien abductions? Which there's also... Um, you know, people who are like, is it a physical abduction of your body or is it that your soul is taken through this other experience and um, it's not actually like a physical abduction. So in the book, Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens by the same Dr. John E. Mack, he talks about finding uh, physical wires in people's noses. Whoa. (laughs) That there are people who came out to Harvard or wherever they found this guy and they were like, I am embarrassed about coming to you about this. I'm ashamed. And I but I have physical proof that something happened to me. I have a memory of this being inserted. And now I pulled this out of my nose. And um, when they tested the fiber to see what it was, they were like, well, it could be could have been made on Earth. It's just normal materials. It's not any kind of like material we've never seen before. But, you know, the the universe is made out of the same things that the universe is made out of. It's just like really basic elements, you know. Yeah. And then uh, the other form of uh, technology that would appear would be that microchips and um, people finding implants on their skin. And when the implants uh, were cut into, it turned out to just be an irregular growth of tissue, like ligament or like, Ugh. you know, like a benign cyst. Yeah. And um, but they would grow in like these strange lumps or even like sort of square looking shapes, mm. which makes me think of the movie Annihilation with Natalie Portman, where it's like, well, yeah, this, the aliens are um, just changing our 
DNA and our tissues. They don't need external technology to do that. Oh, I don't know if I've seen Annihilation. Oh my God, you have to watch it. It's so good. It's like something comes to Earth in some form or another and creates this like field of radiation. Wait, maybe I have seen this. Her husband goes behind it. Yeah. And then she goes to, back yeah. to find it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I have seen and then, then the only way that the, that the alien sort of appears in their world is by changing the DNA of everything around that within oh. its radiation. So but it's like it's upgrading yeah. the DNA. It's making things more resilient. Yeah. There's an argument made in this book that that maybe there are some aliens that have a a bad agenda because I was going to get into that today cuz I have um some other learning from the past about good versus evil in space. But we'll get Yeah. To- um, but but what I was going to say is um, there's an argument that these aliens, they take these forms to communicate with us to make us aware of how humans are destroying the planet. And we really need to like be aware of our impact and start to care about it more and that it's like they're here to like upgrade humanity or like so that people can actually protect this like mother planet like I read some passage in here and again I don't know if I bookmarked it but it was like there's this idea that there's like thousands of planets out there but there's only like 25 mother planets that are like really fit for life and earth is like the 25th of these planets but like we are killing it Uh. and this book that I have was published in 1999 And so one of the shamans that is interviewed in it um, talks about how there's like these 500 year cycles. And so like we were coming upon this 500 year cycle like ending. And because like the world is sick because humans are making it sick Mm. uh, that like the aliens are coming and we're going to see them more and more frequently. So it's like what you said about these things kind of starting to happen around the 60s and but really picking up from like the 70s to the 90s, like that 20 year period, like leading up to like the end of the 500 year cycle and the beginning of the next 500 year cycle. It's like we're just going to see this happen more and more and more and more. Oh, wow. That's incredible. I know. Yeah. In uh, in abduction, the book by Dr. Mack. He talks about what he was able to collect from some of the stories. And the, the, I think he said he interviewed around 90 people. And he said that it seemed that they were trying to influence humans via a shift in consciousness and an upgrade in yes. consciousness. And that yes. um, one of the questions raised is like, well, why don't they show themselves to us? And it's because, you know, we would attack them. We're still too... Yeah. Primitive. And um, so instead of showing themselves to us, they just take us and upgrade us bit by bit. Well, and then there's also um, perspectives of of like a lot of Native cultures, like Native American and um, like Native cultures and indigenous cultures in like South America, where they have, um, you know, like there's ancient cave drawings of UFOs and there are legends in their culture about these star people. So I have this um, passage that says some of the subjects of my recent interviews have come from indigenous cultures in the United States and other countries. Frequently, these informants will tell me that according to tribal legends, their people came from the sky and that their cultures were founded by quote star people arriving sometimes in what they call UFOs or something like them. Wow. Um, that's um, ancient aliens. Which, I know. <laughs> ancient aliens. My Honestly, it's show. like all 
<laughs> I'm just like, that's making sense. I've never seen it. My niece really loves it. But also, uh, I mean, I haven't seen that show at all, but but uh, I don't know if you mentioned it since we started recording, but before we started recording, we were kind of talking about what our own individual research was. You mentioned, you know, like this materialist worldview, which we each read books by the same guy, Dr. Mack, and... Um, he mentioned it at the beginning of this book, this materialist worldview. And so like, we're really trying to prove things within our realm of understanding. And so he goes on in this passage to say, like he talks to this guy and I might totally pronounce this wrong. His name is Bernardo P-E-I-X-O mm. or Picho. I don't know. How, it's, he's Brazilian. I don't know how to, I don't know Brazilian pronunciation. Oh, Joe maybe? Pijoto? Pijoto. He's like a doctor. Uh, he got a PhD and he works for the Smithsonian in DC, but he's like born and raised in Brazil and he's a shaman. Mm. But Dr. Max says, when I asked him if among his people, this legend, basically like the legend of the star people who came a long time ago in a flying saucer and landed in the Amazon basin, these cave drawings are about when Dr. Mack asked him if it was regarded literally as referring to the material world or should be seen rather as metaphoric or a crossing over from the unseen to spirit realms into the material world, he replied succinctly that among his people, this makes no difference. So it's like there's there's much less of a distinction between like, well, this is real life and this is the spirit world because it's like, it's so much more fluid. Right. Like their point of view is that Everything that materializes in the world is just like spirit materializing and taking form, Mm. but we're all spirit and everything is spirit. So we don't really care if this is a legend and like a metaphor or if this truly happened. Like the, the message is the same. That's so cool. Yeah. I just found this passage here in Abduction by Dr. Mack talking about that worldview. And I just think it's such a great passage to read. It says... In the mainstream Western worldview, sometimes characterized as scientific materialism or the Newtonian Cartesian paradigm, reality falls into objective and subjective domains, outer and inner, which tend to be held as distinct and separate. The objective realm contains the material world, and we explore it through the methods of the natural sciences by observation, generation of hypothesis, experimentation, and replication. The subjective domain is the world of the psyche or spirit, and we learn about this with the use of consciousness itself, employing introspection, intuition, and communication through language and art. But there are phenomena such as near-death experiences, telepathy, and religious visions that are not clearly in either domain and appear to possess properties of both. The matters are sometimes called paranormal or supernatural which gives it a negative connotation. But uh, this is kind of this interesting idea that there are daimonic things that appear in hard reality. You know, we don't make room for if it doesn't fit our rigid science. There was this great video I saw on YouTube with Dr. Mack. The person giving the interview was trying to be a little, I don't know, controversial and was like, you had a falling out with Carl Sagan over this. And Dr. Mack was like, no, not really. Like, I am open to the idea of alternate realities. And Carl Sagan is very of this 3D dimension and won't consider the idea of interacting with 
other realities. You know, so it's just kind of this interesting thing how these doctors, Dr. Turner and Dr. Mack, were both like, we are just being brought these stories from people who are clearly not mentally ill. They are totally mm-hmm. in their right minds. They're they're showing signs of trauma and they're showing like scoops, lesions, bruises, like all these little marks on their bodies that match and they've never met each other. Mm-hmm. And then also there was this great third party encounter in this book where a woman saw someone getting abducted. And um, that was like the first, which there are other accounts of it, but there are That was the first account of someone seeing an abduction take place and not being a part of it. So um, she saw a man on a bridge get beamed up uh, and then the ship went into the water. And that's a pretty common story. Actually, you can find it if you look. But um. fascinating. Yeah. Maladoma Somme. He's a shaman of the Dagara people of Burkina Faso in West Africa. He talks about how, like, in Western reality, there's a clear split between the spiritual and the material, between religious life and secular life. And this concept is really alien to the Dagara people. And, you know, again, like, we talked about the Brazilian shaman. This is an African shaman who's saying the same thing. Like, for indigenous cultures, the supernatural is part of our everyday lives. Where I actually listened to this, um, I can't remember where. Oh, oh, it was the freaking Chani app. It was the... Oh, yeah. um, that astrology app. Channy Nicholas. Yes. Fucking, I mean, have I talked about this before on here? I talk about it everywhere. I don't get, I don't know. It's a great get, app. I, get the motherfucking app, the Channy app. <laughs> it's so good. But you can also listen to her podcast um, where she gives kind of the general forecast for the week, what's happening astrologically. But she also mentioned in one of the episodes within the last few weeks where it's like when the rise of spiritualism happened um you know like in the 1800s which we talked about in our Ouija episode mm-hmm. which like that was a really fun episode you guys not yeah. <laughs> it's like the least listened to episode which blows my mind but I um, know I go back and listen to it it's really fun it's the one that has the lowest play count and I'm I know. just like that one is so much more fun all of our other ones get all serious that one is like really fun that's the one that I would go to purely fun but you know she's like when that happened it was like native people who have always had this you know spiritual connection we're like yeah that's not new like that's that's what we do you're not like introducing some brand new concept like that is our everyday life you're sort of putting it on a pedestal and it is important but it's not this like completely separate thing from day-to-day life but that's just like exactly what this shaman is saying and there's another guy sequoia trueblood who's talked about in this book and he's not a shaman but he's like a native elder he says that for him whether the physical body is taken during an abduction is not important for quote we are spirit native people he adds live in a world of spirit and meaning while whites live in a world of science and facts which is just like so fascinating and couldn't agree more in these stories that people share you know sometimes they're like I've always been drawn to native cultures and their spiritualism and their practices and how they connect with the world and spirits and then I had this abduction experience and now it's been like a system that has helped me to move through and understand and connect with these experiences in a more profound way versus again having this like science and facts materialist worldview of like terrifying i'm in danger it's only bad and it's like 
or it's not actually and it's you know it's something else yeah but he goes on our wallace black elk he is an esteemed lakota elder and shaman has said we don't need a piece of paper to contact the spirits we send a voice to the creator yo ho and somebody responds and comes in someone might say yo ho i'm lost i need help and then a spirit comes and takes me someplace. They'll fly you there. They'll take you any place. If you want to visit the moon, they'll take you up there. They'll put you in one of those little flying saucers and they'll zoom you up there in no time. Then they'll bring you back. And it's just like fascinating when you think about it like, oh, these are, you know, spiritual beings. Like I don't, again, I can't remember if we talked about this since we started recording, but there's a concept in this book, which is really about drawing parallels and connections between like native if you haven't figured it out (laughs) between native indigenous cultures and their spiritualist view of like life and reality that's um Um, this is so so talking about like native connections that's so cool because i didn't come across anything like that Mm -hmm. in my stuff um but that they're in my 20s i spent time with a group of people who we would go out and follow the dr stephen greer protocol to connect with ufos <laughs> we would do oh. the ce5 protocol oh, i don't know you're gonna have to expand on that because i don't yeah. know what that is. i knew we were gonna talk about this in this podcast one day <laughs> so <laughs> there's uh, some really great books on Get weird like with elena <laughs> yeah no yeah <laughs> we're going there um dr stephen greer has like crazy books you can read about his experiences with ETs and you know the word alien is considered a derogatory term in CE5 yes. culture you're supposed to and call them this. extraterrestrials yeah they're ETs that's even like criticized in this by native oh, really? people they're like oh. yeah they're like they're like you guys are using this word but it's like that's disrespectful because they are messengers and they are our connection to spirit so like oh, to wow. source energy so like they communicate source to us and they're not bad and they're not evil and they're not here to hurt us they're here to provide us with information that we can't get that we cannot get directly from source because mm-hmm. our physical bodies and like the way that we exist as humans can literally not handle direct contact with source energy like that yeah that's so crazy so d- when we go out to do ce5 the protocol is that you do a group meditation and you beam out your intention and then everyone sees the ship that they're connecting with. And I mean, I had a group of people I did this with. Can I just say how funny it is that you were like reading this Taken book and you're like, that's actually scary. I don't want to get abducted. But in your 20s, you're like, let's go get abducted. No, well, this is the thing. So there's this (laughs) dichotomy between the good and the evil side of this. And Mm. I, I, okay, so this is, Taylor has no idea. I'm about to go here, you guys. (laughs) I can't wait. I'm so ready. Basically, so I would get with this group of people and we would put out, you know, our energy and our intention. And then we all would see the same ship in our meditation and we could all describe all the same things. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we would even see like the shape of a being and we would know that there's like the heart head kind. There's like the insect kind. They're the ones that look more humanoid or so like there's different ones that you would like kind of see. And we would all confirm, yeah, I'm seeing this one, and yeah, we're seeing this and that. And then you beam out your geolocation, like, imagine you were in, like, Google Earth, and you, like, see yourself, like, zooming from, like, 
the Milky Way to like the arm that we're on to like mm. our solar system to our planet to our continent to our state to like county and so you just like do this meditation where you like zoom in from the Milky Way like down to mm-hmm. where you are actually sitting and you have to do it like not too late at night because you still need to have sunlight bouncing off the crafts in order to be able to see them. Oh. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's like a whole thing. And you have laser protocols. So we get these like military grade lasers that can go really far into the sky. And uh, you send out certain signals and the crafts will blink the signals back that you send so you can tell that they can see you. And then, so that's something that I witnessed as we went out there. There are sounds that you play. Yeah. So there are like, we would get a big Bluetooth speaker and play these sounds that were recorded during connections that people were having with ETs. And so they're like these kind of like blipping, like woo, woo, woo kind of noises. And Mm. you like put them on a speaker. Classic alien movie sounds. It's, you know, it's kind of like pretty and soft. It's like really Mm. comforting and calming. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so you have that playing. We're looking into the sky, flashing signals with our um, lasers, and we tell them that that's what we're doing. We, like, put that in the meditation. And then, um, so then you start to see things that you thought were stars start to kind of move, and they make right angles in the sky. And Mm -hmm. sometimes they get close, and they get really big and bright. And sometimes they blink back at you. And sometimes, like, one time we thought we weren't seeing anything and we're just laying out there forever. And then these two bright stars that we thought were just stars, we were staring at them all night, just separated from each other and flew off. And oh. we were like, what? We thought those were stars. And so one time there was this guy who was like this older Big Sur guy and he had his night vision goggles. And so we got to look into the sky after doing a CE5 protocol to like see all the movement in the sky and you guys there is so much stuff out there there is looking at satellites there's like a lot of space there's a lot of that well we can see we can tell all the differences between them but then you see like ships interacting with each other chasing each other doing all of these things it's like it's really fascinating. And so this guy, Star this Wars. older guy, yeah, no, it's not real. even joking. It's like that. <laughs> it's like that. This guy, he's like, "Oh, look over here, you can see a chase going on. You can look and watch them going across." And so we're sharing the goggles and we we're watching this chase, and the guy is like, "Yeah, you know, you got to look out for the ones that aren't good and you can't just communicate with all of these." Mm-hmm. And um And that was, this other lady was like, no, they're all positive. They're all beings of light and yada, yada. And the guy was like, wrong. Nah, there's good and there's evil. There's there's good ones and there are ones that are there to F you up and they're not here for friendly time. They're here to experiment on us. They're here to, you know, do all this gross stuff. And those are like the lizard ones. So yes, that's also what I read. (laughs) So they're talking about like how there are times when they will be abducted and they'll this is not the same person. It's two different people telling different stories. But one person would be like, well, I go see the leader every time this taller one and everyone else is shorter. And I have such an affinity loving relationship. And I just love them and they love me. And it's so positive. And then there's this other person who's like, I see this, this oriental girl is what they say in the book. That's not Mm. an appropriate term nowadays, but that's what they call her. Yeah. And and they're like, you know, I, I see her and I know that I hate her and she knows that I don't like her and she's here to, to do stuff to me. And like, 
it's like, ah, not this again. And it's, it's a totally different experience. So there are two different narratives you'll hear are the people that have like this loving, super affectionate relationship. And then these other people that are scared, they're being hurt, they're being experimented on and like sexually kind of messed with and kind of strange ways Mm -hmm. and it's like the the other ones like there's dna collection sexual dna collection but it's not negative or traumatic Mm. so it's like there's two different stories that you hear the positive and the negative i was just going to put a pin in my like little ce5 story because um there was a the, the two things that would happen is we would have government planes fly through our CE5 sessions. So if we were starting to get really good contact going, we would get broken up by the government. They would fly through and like break our communication. And a lot of times after that would happen, a lot of times we could not make contact after the government flew over the beach. Yeah, it was (laughs) so lame. And then the the craziest thing, because I'm sure everyone's wondering at this point, like what's the craziest thing you experienced? Was that we knew a ship was close and like landing on the beach because we were communicating through meditation and they told us we're going to land on the beach and we were like, all right, you know, like that's kind of crazy. And then we could feel the ship with our hands, but we couldn't see it with our eyes. What? So we like we could we all kind of could tell it had landed. We don't it was like this magnetic feeling like that we were all pulled toward it. And then we all could feel it. We looked like a bunch of crazy people standing out on the beach with our hands out. We started crying because we could not believe what we were experiencing. We were like a group of people touching something we couldn't see. And we were like just crying. Oh, my God. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. So oh, my God. Taylor has no idea that I've done this. Ooh, it doesn't surprise me. And now I want to do it. And if I told Jester that I want to do yeah, that, he'd be like, it's... no. What the fuck? <laughs> Ron oh did it God. with me. Ron came, and and Ron is not a believer in these kinds of things, but he saw the same things I saw. And is he, he a believer is, now? Like, yeah, that was real. Has he? he he's, he's a convert. He, yeah, totally. I mean, he he wasn't there for touching yeah, well, the ship, probably, unfortunately. Like, but no, he believe. he knows what he saw. I mean, it's like yeah, that's so trippy. Okay, so um, I have something to add to yeah. you know, like you're saying, there's these like different narratives. So in this book, he says. It's possible that each of us contains potentially within our being virtually all possible levels of consciousness. The form of a visitation may have something to do with the direction of consciousness of the individual at a particular time in that person's life journey. Karen was convinced that an unpleasant and frightening encounter with ugly, scaly, lizard-like beings that she had not seen before occurred at a time when she was struggling with, quote, reptilian energies and feelings toward a rough crowd of construction workers at the pub where she worked, Mm. people whose level of awareness she was also trying to raise through sharing her experiences. She drew this experience to her, Karen suggested, because she had been dealing with an angry, frustrated, and judgmental part of herself, and she saw a, quote, resonation connecting the energy of the people at the bar. The reptilian things in her encounter and negative or rageful elements of her own psyche that she was trying to integrate. Mm. So it's like that idea of, um, it's kind of like the idea of manifestation, like what you think about is what you're going to attract. Like the quality of your vibration is going to be the quality of the experiences that you attract. Well, that's like we would meditate. We'd send out our our mental vibes to get that stuff intention you know that's what we would do so I believe it for sure yeah but it's like you never want to like you know you never want to victim blame 
and say like oh well you're the reason that this horrible thing happened to you but it's also interesting to consider like what state of mind were you in what were you thinking about what were you focusing on what were you experiencing Mm -hmm. in your life before this other thing happened and then I also have another layer of that so um, there's this person Isabel who expressed most clearly the power of love to counter the dark or frightening aspects of the alien beings, including those of the reptilian sort. When the beings seem to threaten her, she sends out to them, quote, as much love as I can, waves of love. One time she felt that a reptilian being was sending her images of her second son being mangled or buried alive. Her first son had been killed the year before in an automobile accident. She responded by imagining a protective light around the boy's body. A reptilian image came to her with other horrible images of herself and other family members being killed. It seemed that as she sent positive love energy toward these angry beings, she could hear them shrieking and saw them running, then backing off through the wall. Then she saw beings that were gray and reptilian, followed by one of the blue beings she calls the Blue Baldies. She sent a last burst of love energy, calling on Jesus and feeling good inside toward this being. It seemed to make a weird sound and went down as if it were in pain, like the Wizard of Oz being stripped. After the encounter, Isabel was no longer afraid of the beings. Every time she felt their presence, she would say, hey, if you want all the love you can take, come on, which has given me back so much power. Love, she concluded, is the real power, the most powerful thing in the whole universe. I think it's what everything is made of. I think it's what started everything. The further we get from that love, she suggests, the more control the beings have over us, the more alien they remain. I look at love, she says, as like an umbilical cord that connects my soul to the main major source where all this love comes from. The source is like my father or my parent. It's where I come from. That's what I am. The soul eventually goes back to love because soul came from love. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's like God and like separation versus oneness, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like talking about when God made the world, it was like it was all love. It was all good. And then separation yep and there's a lot of um like people in this that talk about you know like part of these experiences are to understand our oneness and our connection to everything like literally everything Mm. like not just each other but like the planet and there's people who um after these experiences like then they can like feel the destruction they can feel the pain and the sickness of the earth which i'm like feels kind of dramatic but also like i don't know i haven't had that experience but it's really yeah. interesting to think I about mean, well and then they talk about how the pleiadian starseed is like a hippie earth-loving vegan like kind of you know <laughs> totally yeah eco-conscious yeah. like loves the earth so much yeah and um there was something in this book uh with i believe it was yes with dr mac here that says that a common report that people have with these abductions is being shown images of the earth in a state of destruction yep. like after you know a world war or something like that and that they're they believe they're being shown the future of mankind mm-hmm. um or maybe you know, so it's just a, a potential you know it's like this is exactly this is where I you're going kind of where i would take that yeah, yeah it's like hey this is gonna happen if you right. don't get your shit together so Listen to what we're telling you and, you know, help stop yeah. this from happening. So um, Whitley Strieber or Strieber, I think it might be Whitley Strieber, um, is a, a big name in alien abduction that right before we started doing this 
recording session, my partner was like, well, did you look that up? Like, he's the guy. And I was like, I've never even heard of this. <laughs> so I, I just only like looked at him for a little bit before we jumped on the phone. But um, there's a movie with Christopher Walken called Communion. Apparently, it's like one of his best performances ever. So now I have to watch that tonight. But there's a book that he wrote called The Greys. And he talks about how you can follow this very through line you, you can see how aliens have been manipulating human DNA through breeding to bring about this one child that's supposed to be like, <laughs> I don't know, it, it makes it sound like Jesus, you know, like it's, oh my it's God. The, the child and that the government like fights over this child. The, apparently it's, Dude, it's this here. I don't sounds know. like, <laughs> do you watch American Horror Story? I have watched a lot of it. I think I stopped at the the hotel one okay well it's really fun and the latest season is fun <laughs> but the latest season they had two stories instead of one story for all the episodes mm. so one of the stories was literally about exactly that it was about like when Dwight Eisenhower was the president he was the one who was in office when the greys came to negotiate oh. with the government to be like we need to breed with humans so that we can save our race. Like, we are doing wow. this to protect ourselves. Like, wouldn't you want to do this for you guys to protect yourselves? And there's this person who is a historical person who's a documented individual, apparently, um, in real fucking life. <laughs> I can't remember his name. But he's the one who's, like, who is, like, an alien who's representing the greys <gasps> to the American government. Oh. And essentially, I can't remember how he ends up twisting Eisenhower's arm. But that alien dude also manipulates uh, Eisenhower's wife, like Mamie Eisenhower or whatever her name is, mm. who's played by Sarah Paulson, who, like, then she, like, becomes an alien or something, and, like, she's the one who gets in Eisenhower's ear and is like, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, mm. and then... It's basically like, okay, like, we will agree that aliens can abduct X number of people for their breeding program experimentation. <laughs> and um, and then, like, they end up, uh, like, they kill every baby that's born um, that isn't, like, that isn't, like, this perfect mix of gray and human. Wow. And um, in abduction with Dr. Mack, they talk about, and they also talk about this in the other book, Taken, about alien pregnancy and alien babies. And, like, so in Dr. Turner's book, Taken, there was a story of a woman who she knew that she was interacting. Basically, they were taking DNA from her and had reproduced they just take reproductive sexual dna and then they create uh -huh. humans like incubating humans but that they created just like a perfect clone of her and that she knew she had this brand new body and this has a story that's shared by people that they got to see their clone and see their fresh new body that they get to have after they die Whoa. yeah and so they're like you know this is part of what they're doing is creating beings for themselves but that they're also making human clones that we can then inhabit after we're done being on earth um, and maybe that's Ooh. just the chosen ones that are maybe like aliens in human form I don't know Ooh. then there was the other side from Dr. Mack's book where he's talking about women who know that they've been pregnant by this alien procedure and then their baby has then been delivered uh, like they, like gestated and delivered in the state of being abducted 
So their body has gone through a pregnancy, but there's no baby to show. But then there's like some discrepancy in like medical records around that. So take it or leave it. But these women know that they are being continually abducted to then hold their new baby and give it connection with the mother that birthed it. And that children are abducted to go play with little kid aliens up in the ship so that they're not lonely. And like, yeah. Oh, that they're just like kittens. They need a Yeah. So it's like they're farming. I mean, this sounds really so crazy. (laughs) They're they're farming humans. And then they need to bring the natural humans back to interact with them so that they're, you know, kind of given given their own kind and their their mothers that you know yeah that you know their mom doesn't live with them so they got to do something but it sounds um, like an ethical breeding program to me it's pretty so yeah like when I'm hearing you know that stuff that started being like oh like I don't know about that that's scary but like that is such a trip but yeah so if you want to get into the idea of the gray bloodline and the implication that the greys are creating a perfect human hybrid alien thing. Then get into Whitley Stryber's book, The Greys. The um, Greys. Yeah. yeah, it's also it's an audible audiobook if you're if you're looking to consume something. We're always fast. out here, <laughs> always out here to plug Audible. Always out. <laughs> I just well, I'm just Kindle saying, Premium I do that. guys. Get I your much shit. prefer to listen to things. Actually, when I so I had to go downtown to the downtown library to get this book because I didn't have it at my local branch. And when I got back mm. from going downtown, I was thinking like, you know, I bet whatever book Elena found is fucking an audio book, and she can just breeze right through it and get figure her shit out like and i'm out here getting a fucking physical you got the book, book at the freaking library i, I went that. to the no, library god i got the physical digital kindle physical book. digital you know <laughs> it's a hybrid <laughs> um but yeah no it's it's nice to get it on kindle too because then you see what other people highlight as oh, the most yeah. interesting pieces. So it kind of oh, gives you yeah. a That is up. interesting. Well, what's it's cool nice. about this physical book is that somebody underlines one thing. So I also kind of hey, to see that's that also as good well. too. And then I used it. a very hard I honestly, pencil. I do like physical books more because you can like they look just take through them. And time. I just need, when I'm scrolling through a book, it's easy to lose things. Yes. <laughs> I, I need time away from screens though. So I love physical books for that, that reason. Although yeah. this book smells kind of like a hospital, which is gross. Um, <laughs> maybe it's just been in the library too long. So I don't have anything to talk about, like the breeding program about the greys. However, um, I do want to talk about like animal. You don't? I don't. There was some part about like the breeding program, but I was really looking for like the alien abduction to spirituality connections and I didn't want to read about yeah. that. I definitely went way deep For into, like, the sci-fi hole. <laughs> I mean, I think that's fascinating. I just was like, like, okay, so I like that is... you didn't. No, this is, this is better. <laughs> yeah, well, like, so today is Monday, and we were supposed to record on Friday, and I, like, I could not. Uh, handle it. I didn't have time to get ready for Friday. So we pushed it to Monday. And then uh, I proceeded to not even really get started on this until like, you know, Saturday afternoon. And you so I'm busy. like, I'm just like, oh, I've given do. I've given myself extra time. And then I'm like, I'm in the same position I was in on Thursday night. Like, <laughs> Fuck. So I was just trying to be really um, streamlined in what I chose to read in this book. But there are like ancient native stories and we're like native elders and also just like other people who've had alien experiences. They've had aliens show up or show themselves as 
animals and but like the way that you oh, know I was, there was in this book too yes they talk about coming in the forms of animals correct? yes and but the way that you know that it is not an animal and it's actually like a gray or an alien is that they usually have like unusually large eyes for whatever type of animal it is so like mm-hmm. the most like frequently seen ones are like deer raccoons which i think is hilarious um cats panthers owls are also super common eagles snakes and spiders Mm -hmm. and also what some of these shamans say is like whatever your power animal is like if your power animal is like a a panther then the grays are going to show themselves to you as a panther it's like whatever animal you most closely connect with Mm. but crows And I get a lot of crows. Oh, there you go. Well, do they look freaky with big ass weird eyes that aren't I mean, normal you know, crow size eyes? They're smart. They're smart birds. I so love they always kind of like make eye contact with you, you know? Every time I see them, I always talk to them. I just love them. Oh, I love them too. Did you know that? Um, super sidebar. Uh, you can make friends with a crow. And if you make a close connection with a crow, like he's your buddy, he will bring you presents. And he'll also tell his friends, like, yo, this human is cool. And then, like, you know, the crows will have your back. But if you make enemies with a crow, he will also tell his friends, this human fucking sucks. And then they will all hate you. You know, I know that they're smart. I didn't know they were social like that. Oh, yeah. They're basically little human birds. So maybe those are my aliens. (laughs) Maybe. Just, I mean, look, also, like, they might have uh, kind of, like, a glow to them. Mm. Um, So I have a a couple passages to read here, and then maybe this will explain some things I'm trying to recall. Dr. Mack asked Bernard whether there was a relationship between the gray alien beings. In his tribe, they're called Ikuyas that abduction experiencers may initially encounter an animal form and the power animals that connect the human... Oh, this is what I just said. Connect the human and animal worlds among traditional peoples. And he said, it is just exactly the same, John. There's no doubt about it. He replied, when we ask them, the Akuyas, in some ceremony, that they come and show themselves to us in the form of animals, they do. And some of them come always in the same form to us. For example, he said literally what I just said. People that have the Black Panther is the power animal. Always when they're doing the ceremonies, they see a Black Panther. That's the same humanoid in the form of a panther. The beings seem to take a form that is familiar to human beings, Bernardo explained. Perhaps the animal spirit with which the person is most connected. And then he also remembered a huge fire ceremony where an owl appeared to be perching at the top of a tree. The elders chanted, Akuya, Akuya, Akuya. Bernardo asked them why they thought the creature was an Akuya and not an owl. They said that because they were in a trance, they could see a light and force around the owl, which told them it was a humanoid in disguise. Also, when they shoot arrows at the Akuyas disguised as owls, the arrows seem to pass through them without killing them. What? Oh, I love this. Oh, Mm -hmm. my gosh. Yep. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah. That's so cool. I I didn't read anything about this. Now I want to. I want to, like, keep diving. But (laughs) yeah, it's like we said, you know, this this we're scratching the surface and we're going to probably end up revisiting this topic for sure. This is really um, crazy. I think. So, you know, there's all these stories about aliens testing people and tormenting them and torturing mm. them for whatever reason. When right. like it's like why the fuck are you doing that to me? This man Jim was abducted 
and Jim had a strange experience mediated by symbols that seemed to be a kind of test of his character. It began when the beings escorted him from his car through a cow pasture and into a landed craft. Inside the craft, he soon noticed a huge red ant crawling around in a circular space, which Jim estimated to be about 18 inches in diameter. The words experiment and kill were communicated to him telepathically, and at the same time, the word kill appeared on a screen on a wall next to a symbol that represented the meaning and power of killing. Then the beings communicated to him telepathically, draw the kill symbol to kill the ant. As Jim protested, air pressure seemed to build up in the room and his heart began to race so intensely, he became afraid he would have a heart attack. Although Jim knew that drawing the symbol would cause the ant to be killed and thereby bring the end to his pain and discomfort, he refused to comply and shouted that he would never force that they would never force him to kill anything. Then, while he was experiencing intense pain and discomfort, a quite tall alien being approached him and, quote, began to stare over the top right side of my head. The being seemed to radiate an intense strength and, quote, I could feel him probing through to the deepest fibers of my mind as if he were searching for a weakness. Apparently, an area of vulnerability was found as the image appeared before Jim of his brother in a hospital room clutching his heart and apparently in the throes of dying. This was not actually happening to his brother. Jim then believed that by drawing the symbol for kill, he could prevent further harm to his brother. When he did so, the red ant instantly curled up into a ball and died. Jim's discomfort was relieved, the cruel image of his brother disappeared, and the alien backed away from him. The experience left Jim feeling badly shaken and demoralized. He sat weeping and murmured, why did you do this to me? In response, he was told telepathically, we had to be sure. To be sure of what? Sparks asked. That you're not a killer, and you're not. Then he blacked out, and when he regained consciousness, he found himself back in the car, still paralyzed, sitting in the driver's seat with his head slumped back on the top of the seat and a sharp pain in his neck. His wife was asleep in the passenger seat, apparently switched off, but woke up when he turned the key in Mm. the ignition to leave. Looking at the clock in the car, they realized that two hours had passed. The neck pain indicates that Jim could have been in the car with his head in an awkward position for a long period, perhaps the whole two hours, suggesting this physical body might not have been taken anywhere. Um, and essentially, it's interesting because, you know, it's like, oh, are they testing you to torture you or they're testing to, like, understand your character? And, like, they can read your mind and it's like, okay, we need certain types of people to help us carry out our mission Ah, are you that type of person we want those genes oh okay now we know who you are (laughs) yeah we want those genes or maybe we like we want these types of people or like we're gonna allow you to know things that we wouldn't allow you to know Mm. if you were a killer but it's like very interesting right it's kind of interesting people talk about how there was like a a big bubble of abduction reporting that was like going on from like the 70s through the early 90s And then it's believed that the Mm -hmm. sightings have gone down because of um, everyone having digital cameras. And so it's like there's like nobody's taking photos of these things. So it's like nobody. I don't know. Like there's no proof or something. But, you know, I I would say like the argument to that would be is it's such a hard thing to document um, that it's like even if you did document it, whatever proof you get, it's not going to be that great. And so you just have like bad proof more than anything. It just makes it look like a bunch of hokum. So it's like uh, I started learning about the mutual UFO network. (laughs) So there's a uh, it started 
originally as the Midwest UFO Network in 1969. <laughs> but then it grew larger uh-huh. to it's now nationwide. It's called MUFON, Mutual UFO Network. And it's um, where like people like in your community can gather and report their paranormal experiences related to extraterrestrials. <laughs> So if you're curious, <laughs> go look up your local MUFON. <laughs> you got to have your community of people that can so validate your experience. Also, if you have an experience, write in. Let's put that on the pod. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I would. I told you my so experience, to guys. Hear. Now you owe me one. <laughs> I want to go lay on the beach with you and meditate yeah. uh, and bring these, do it. bring these beings And I think I mentioned earlier that there are native cultures throughout the world that have historical encounters with these beings that have properties that are much like the gray aliens that visit people in U.S. and other Western societies, which I just think is so interesting. It's like, it's not this like spooky ass, like Western world, terrifying like event or phenomena that's happening it's like no this has been happening forever and we know what it is and like we have like a spiritual relationship with these people and and each culture has their own name for them and what the shamans of these cultures say is that the beings seem to have a great interest in the fate of the earth functioning as its protectors or scavengers, depending on a particular shaman's experience or point of view. There seems to be some agreement among these leaders that humanoid beings are coming more frequently or insistently to Earth now because, as Bernardo Pichotto says, we as human beings in this planet are destroying ourselves and much of the Earth's life. Even his own people, he feels, are not really Earth-honoring. We love Mother Earth, but not that much. These beings, as in Bernardo's case, seem to have the power to affect the journey, role, and identity of an individual shaman. And for Bernardo, before he ever, like, was abducted or had that whole experience, the people of his tribe were like, you are meant to be a shaman. And so he, like, went through all of the, like, rituals and the things to become a shaman where it's, like, it's really about having a lot of, like, death and rebirth experiences to make sure like you can withstand extraordinary amounts of pain and learning how to become a shaman and like going through all those processes like teaches you how to tap into these like spiritual realms Mm -hmm. and like communicate with spirits and with ancestors and with these different energies Mm -hmm. where like after Bernardo got abducted he had so much more power than he had before and like greatly expanded abilities that he did not know how to handle and how to harness and like didn't know how to integrate them with his lived experience as a shaman and one of the things that john mack does with experiencers or people who have been abducted is he kind of hypnotizes them a little bit like puts them into a trance where they can go back and notice all the details and like notice the symbols and the feelings and all of these things. It reminds me of, you know, any kind of like trauma healing thing where it's like you go back to the experience. Yeah, like a regression hypnosis kind of thing. Yeah, it's like you face it, you deal with it, you process it, you start Mm -hmm. to like be able to learn from it and integrate it. And after Bernardo did that with Dr. Mack, he was able to 
feel more normal again in his experience where it wasn't this thing that's like completely turned his world upside down where he's like I don't fucking know anything anymore wow um which is just so fascinating that it's like oh a shaman can have that experience yeah, like that's really incredible like, whoa mm-hmm. you I had know. mentioned Isn't something earlier that reminded me that in uh Dr. Turner's book Taken a couple different women spoke about seeing these extraterrestrials as like angelic beings and asking them are you an angel and they were like not the ones that you know but basically yeah so it's like yeah even even in christian culture because i think it was like this woman was recounting from when she was like four and then she had continued Mm. which is another thing that a lot of people also say is that they have been abducted since they were young and it continues to happen Mm -hmm. on a regular basis so this one woman was saying it happened to her when she was four and she as a young child was like your angels and they were like yeah pretty much and that also other people confirmed that same interaction and then one of them actually looked like a blonde-haired jesus mm-hmm. like uh, like a pleiadian jesus yeah. basically yeah so it's like people have these uh spiritual angelic like jesus-y encounters with these abductions is kind of an interesting thing yeah oh (laughs) yeah absolutely well there's a guy um uh, his name is sequoia i mentioned him earlier he was abducted by some type of beings he took a plane to oklahoma city from his house in maryland it was he like went to a friend's house who lived in oklahoma city i think he was from oklahoma originally And he felt kind of weird when he got there and asked to lay down. And the man took him to his bedroom and he started to like breathe really deeply. And then he saw a kind of vortex of swirling lights like a rainbow into which he was sucked. And he never like spoke to his friend after this experience. So he doesn't know if that guy like observed him being gone or like observed anything about it. But Sequoia ended up finding himself standing in a beautiful garden surrounded by hedges. And he was wide awake, no different than like than how he was like sitting in front of Dr. Mack, like telling this story. And in front of him was a silvery saucer shaped craft and a shimmering small silver looking being standing on steps that were coming down from the bottom of the craft. The being looked grayish and had a large bald head with large eyes and Sequoia sensed it was androgynous, neither male nor female. The being communicated telepathically, which is like such a major theme. It's like they will just download all this information telepathically to you. Like one guy described, it's like I received. They just have a little slit for a mouth because they don't use their mouth. They didn't really talk about I have I didn't read anything about that but like this guy was like it's like I got a hundred thoughts in one second and then I was able to respond to each of them just as quickly. It's like this insanely Ooh. quick transfer of information. Incredible. Um, yeah, but uh, basically like Sequoia like this guy was like yeah I'm from another place um, and he was sent to pick up Sequoia because they wanted to talk to him. Sequoia felt really relaxed as though he had had these experiences before. And now he knows that he did, like, as he's telling the story to Dr. Mack, and that it's no different from going to see his next-door neighbor. Once he was inside the craft, he heard no sound, but through a small round window, he saw the moon, the sun, and millions of stars instantly go by. Then they were hovering over a beautiful white city in what he felt was another planet and another realm or universe. As a North American Indian, this is a quote, "'Our legends and oral histories are replete with such occurrences,' he later wrote." Getting down to the ground occurred in an instant and seemed like dematerialization and then rematerialization, he recalled. 
Uh, the people in this city appeared to be male and female, wore white robes, and were fair-skinned, with hair that was glowing like the color of sunlight, like blonde Jesus, like you said. <laughs> um, the androgynous being took Sequoia down a street lined with beautiful white buildings, not more than three stories in height, to a clearing in the woods that seemed like a park. There were a number number of people there, and a male said to him that if he would, quote, pay attention, he could see that the people there were living in harmony without war or disease. The energy seemed different than on Earth, and there was no sense of time. Sequoia was told that the beings had done something to him to enable him to be there and breathe. The people said they did not need food, for the air they breathed was converted into whatever they needed to sustain life. Essentially, he's told he was brought to this place to be shown the potential of the human race on Earth, and that he would be reintroduced to his native heritage and, quote, be involved in teaching first the native people and then our brothers and sisters of all other races about the great peace and love that fills all creation. All the events of my life were preparing me for this task, unquote. He also, he was also told that a lot of the experiences of his life were to help him overcome fear and that he would have to endure many more difficult experiences before he would have the awareness and strength to consummate this service to humanity. The beings told him that they had been with him as a child and in Vietnam. So, like, he had a really abusive childhood, like, super, super mm. horrible. And then also oh. he served in Vietnam. Oh. And um, Guy could have become a that- serial killer. Good for you, yeah. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you made it out. Um, instead, he is a native elder um, <laughs> and that he had been guided through the hallways of death. And as he had heard so often in the war that he was being watched and protected. Um, and like he always felt that like through all of those horrible experiences, like he felt that he was being protected. And he watched a couple people get married in this world and they they explained to him like the reason marriages don't work on earth is that there's too much effort to control and manipulate but that here people just decide to spend their time together and then they were like okay it's time uh well they said like oh you can stay here for a while if you want to and at that moment he became panicky as he realized what he would have to leave behind family car home possessions quote i want to do a psychosis for this was my first lesson in realizing how attached i was to the material world this is one of the big problems on mother earth they told him you're only here temporarily these bodies of yours are just tools that you've been given to learn with and attachment to them was a source of pain and hurt and then like as soon as he wanted to go back they let him go and and like he came back into his body and he says that it affected his perception of reality and even though he reverted back into his human emotional state again he began to doubt the reality of what happened, especially as nothing quite like it occurred again. And he told his psychiatrist about it, and his psychiatrist told him he was hallucinating, and that it just wasn't possible from his point of view that he could have had that experience, like truly had that experience. And um, so it's just like, isn't that like <laughs> so yeah. fucking nuts? That's as like, insane. I know. <laughs> I'm just I mean- like what a trip just, yeah and then and then that's the other thing too is that like you hear like that there are s- stories like that's not a standalone like there are lots of stories oh yeah that like that share all the same details like um talking about like his wife being switched off there was one story yes it was the one where the, the one guy before. was yeah. told to kill the aunt yeah right right 
his wife had been like switched off. And that's a thing that people talk about a lot is that they are being floated out of the room, which is another mm. common word they all use, floated mm. out of the room. And that their family members and their loved ones are like just uh, totally so unresponsive that they seem dead. And then yeah. and, and sometimes they're propped up in weird positions, too. Yeah. And um, there have been like witnesses of like a like a daughter and a mother who were both being abducted and they would see each other in the abduction. And like the daughter would confront her when they came back and the daughter would be like, I saw you up there. Like what was going on? And the mother had no recollection of that abduction. And then the opposite thing would happen where the mother would see her daughter, but the daughter didn't recollect that abduction. So it was like this really weird, like the both of them. And then the the, the way that uh, the daughter started to recognize that it was happening was that uh, she would see that her mom would be missing in the early hours of the morning, which is another common mm. thread is it always happens in the early hours of the morning around like three, four in the morning. Well, think about that as like, that's like when you're in REM state. It's like... It's like deeper in sleep, like you need to be in this REM state or it's like it's also why it happens while people are driving because like you have to like get into this like flowy state. Yeah, kind of like, right. Yeah. yeah. And then they can just tap in. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting thought. Yeah. And then uh, that was another thing that people noticed that would try to discount it as a syndrome, alien abduction, Mm. alien abduction syndrome, is that it's like schizophrenia or something like we were talking about in the dream episode where Mm. it's like the altered consciousness due to brain activity um related to the dreaming phenomenon so it's you know that's that's kind of an interesting thing but then there's also shared stories of being dropped off in the wrong place have you heard about this oh my god (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay so you sent me that fucking that was a joke. That was a joke video. But oh, then there's real stories of yes. people being dropped off in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that one, though, where the chick was like, uh, she's like, yeah, man. And then I was just like, I want to go home. And like, so then they like took me to this house. And I was like, you guys, this is in my house. And they're like, fuck, all right. And so they like took me to another place. And I was like, you guys, this is an apartment. I live in a house. And they're like, shit. And so then they dropped me in the ocean. I was like, you guys, I don't live in the, <laughs> in the ocean. ocean. And they're like, okay. But like, they tried to do their best. They just like genuinely didn't remember where they picked me up from. Yeah. I'm just like, Oh, yeah, oh and then they like left her God. in another state or something. Yeah, and she's like, "It's totally cool. Like, yeah. I understand." They got confused or whatever. It was just so like funny. the first one though, like the first story in that video. <laughs> this guy's like, he's like, "Yeah, like this alien abducted me," and then he's like. I just wanted to tell you there's a world where there's only necks and they have Adam's apples and like the Adam's apples are super pronounced, but like they can't swallow because there's like nowhere for anything to go and it's just necks and it's just fucking crazy and I just needed to tell somebody. And then then he like brought me back and I was just like, because at first I'm like, are these real experiences? Like this is not why somebody would get abducted. And this is also before I got this book or started reading literally anything. Full on exactly sounds like Rick and Morty. It's so like, funny. Oh, so hilarious. But oh yeah, they're, um, the, I, which I don't know if that video was supposed to be like satire or real, but it was. I um, mean, it seemed super it seemed, joking. Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, really but that there, yeah, Dr. Mac in his book. And then um, there were some other things I saw online of people sharing the experience of being dropped off like outside when they had been picked up inside and they're like you know a block off but like outside like near their house but not quite in it Mm -hmm. there was one where two Mm -hmm. people got abducted driving next to each other and then they got delivered into each other's cars 
and then saw each oh. other and like looked at the other one and was like, um, that's yeah, they messed this up, didn't they? And it was like a shared alien abduction experience. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, but I think like only one of them was aware of it and the other one didn't know that it was an alien abduction, but then they both like mysteriously like appeared in each other's cars while driving down the road. So <laughs> weird. Yeah, I read a story, I think it was in this book, maybe, where this woman was driving with her friend and it was like dusk and they were out on some country road or whatever and then like they came back and like they lost two hours and they came back and it was dark and they were like way down the road and one woman did this like regression thing with Dr. Mac to like remember what happened um, and she could like recall this abduction experience but her friend never recalled anything like that. Yeah. But, like, they both weird. lost time. Yeah, totally. But I'm also, like, are you just, like, repressing and not even wanting to tap right. into that? Because, like, obviously it's kind of freaky. Yeah, there was stories of shared lost time in the Taken book. Uh, yeah, mm. totally. Where, like, but then the other person, yeah, doesn't validate the person who's, like, I know why this happened. It always happens around me. And then now it affected this other person. Right. And it's interesting <laughs> because it's, like, uh, it reminds me of, like, you know, uh, people can only meet you as far as they've met themselves. And it's like when you if you mm-hmm. think about alien abduction as like a catalyst for a spiritual awakening or like um, for you like facing your fears or like which is like a thing that I want to get into in a second here. But it's like if one person is ready for that and the other person is absolutely not ready for that, then, you know, it makes sense that they'd be like, mm, no, don't remember anything. That didn't, mm, that's not, we just lost time. I don't know mm-hmm. what happened though. Like your mind is going to protect you for something that you're not ready. Yeah. To maybe deal they with. just thought they took a nap. Right. Like, right. I'm really bored. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Zoning out. Have you, disassociating. have you never lost time? Have you? Um, not in a sense where I was like, I think I was abducted, but I've, I've, I've had weird bends in time. Like, like I've said during healing sessions, time gets distorted. Yeah. And, um, like I've had distortions in like creative flow, totally, like for sure. But I have not been like, where did that to, I, and I guess I would know because my time is precious. (laughs) So I would say no. <laughs> uh, I guess I would I'd be know. I would be so mad. I'd be really mad if there were two hours that I was just like, what did I just do with those two hours? Like, I would have been really mad. So I know that so I have not lost time. <laughs> well, I'm happy. I'm happy that, that you haven't had that That would have been then. a violation if an alien did that to me. Ooh, boy. My time is precious, you it. son of a bitch. God damn you, <laughs> exactly. alien piece of shit. I am not your plaything. Don't you dare be me, make me a part of your breeding program. I know I've read the books. I got shit to do. <laughs> I have talked to your friends on the beach. You tell them. You ask them. Okay, don't fuck with me. I am an ally. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about alien abductions and like confronting fear. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think it's just fascinating. Oh, Whitley Strieber. Oh, there there you go. There you go. Referenced in this passage. Told you. So it says, well, of course, there's, yeah, there's an enormous amount of fear because it's like fear is always associated with the unknown and like what's more unknown than a fucking alien abduction. Exactly. Like, right. 
it is the unknown of unknowns. Yeah. And so although abduction experiences can be intensely traumatic, at least initially, many abductees are not likely to think of themselves as victims if they're given the opportunity to face the fears and come to terms with the power and meaning of what they feel has happened to them. As Whitley Stryber told me, or Streber, acknowledging the fear is what gives you freedom. Further, as abductees are enabled to engage their experiences at the deepest level and to struggle with the terror, pain, and sense of mystery that they evoke, a transformational process of great emotional and spiritual power can take place. During one of her experiences, Sue demanded of one of the beings that he turn and look at her. After he did, she was then able to say to herself, I've seen your face and I'm not afraid of you anymore. Karen has been terrified by something so profound and so beyond, this is a quote, my ability to describe or relate to, but she has chosen to interact with this experience and learn from it. After working with us for two years, she said, I'm willing to walk through terror, to go through moments of not knowing, and to find out what the ultimate knowing is. What I can do is be true to that sense of my own self and my own information, and if at the end of my life I find out that I've got 30% of the information right and 70% wrong, then so be it. Isabel's experiences, quote, pushed me to the point where I was scared shitless. The, alien, the aliens, she said, take you right to the limit and then push you over. For her, it was the beings who made her face her greatest fears, after which, quote, they just fell apart and you kind of don't fear too much after that. Extreme emotion opens up spiritual doorways, she observed. Without intense terror, she does not believe that she could have gotten to the point where your song is actually going to change. Isabel distinguishes both the intensity and quality of the terror that has accompanied her encounters from the fear that is caused by other human beings. If you knew, for example, that a human is holding you or if someone kidnapped you, you'd be afraid on a whole different level. You're familiar with this. The intensity is not the same. It changes you. When you're afraid here in, in the encounters, your adrenaline is pumped up. You become very sharp, very clear. You hear very well. It's like you become this super person in the few minutes that you're at that point. It's a spiritual terror. It opens you up totally. Several years after she began to confront her fear, Julie observed that everything that they've pushed me toward has been toward overcoming a major fear, and once I got past it, it seemed like it was nothing. The thing that fries us, Nona said, is the resistance. We have to, we have to not resist. We have to allow to open up. It's a matter of breaking down the things that are built up for us to stay safe in the world. And if this is not a motherfucking parallel of a spiritual awakening, like confronting your fears, confronting your feelings, like going into the acute pain of the things that have conditioned you to wait, to be the way that you are now and to think the way that you think and to behave the way that you behave. I mean, I don't fucking know what is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, I don't well, want this catalyst, but it's so into, fascinating. Right. And that goes into this, that narrative of, um, that they are trying to awaken people that are asleep in fear and living in a survival mm. mode mindset. And yep. that they're trying to get people to wake up and ascend to higher levels of consciousness. And then they're yep. dropping that consciousness back down into what we are now living in. And I mean, we definitely are in an interesting space right now with spirituality. It's definitely like... I would say Christianity was like dominating until like what, like the seventies, and then I don't know. like well, till the satanic actually, panic took over. <laughs> kind of well, you know, and then that like I'm just thinking about like our culture, like in you know 
the United States. It's like there was there was no like widespread like um, like religion was all just basically Christian until like for sure know, maybe like the seventies or eighties, and then that's when all of these abductions started being reported. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I don't know. the last thing that I had on my list of things to share is the transformation of this, like the growth in perspective that you can get from this experience. Isabel says, I always knew that what I was dealing with was on a spiritual level. The experiences of everyday life in this society she observes are more traumatic than her encounters. I feel like the alien encounters have helped, she told me. In an odd way, they've helped me to survive. How so, I asked. Because they taught me a lot of lessons, she replied. First of all, that this isn't all there is to life. This is like nothing in the whole scheme of things. It keeps me from focusing too much on my little problems. Before some of my more frightening experiences, I was what you would call stagnant. I was growing dust. I was getting cobwebs on me, spiritually we're talking here. The idea that life is limited to just physical or material things is much more traumatic, she noted, and takes a real bad toll on people emotionally and mentally, which I totally agree, and that they end up in the nut farm or taking all kinds of heinous drugs. In contrast to Greg, Isabel, which we didn't talk about Greg, but Isabel believes that her fearful experiences were more effective in prompting her to grow and that she would have resisted something beautiful or a gentler way. Karen is convinced that the ripping from reality and from ego has made her a completely different person, growing from a new place instead of growing from the place I was, growing from a place of altruism and love instead of a place of self-defiance and anger. As her awareness deepens and awakens in that new place, Karen has been able to share her experiences with a widening circle of sometimes skeptical people and has become a powerful spokesperson for the transformative power of the abduction encounters. This experience has completely softened me, she says. Which wow. I just think is like a really interesting way to look at it. Definitely, I was not consuming the stories that were like that, and I wish I had. <laughs> <laughs> well, but get the part I two. Were it's a good so book. Much scarier. But again, the perspective is like yeah. Everything. I tried to finish that entire Taken book, mm. but I I couldn't because it was like. The victimhood and, like, the sadness and the trauma Mm -hmm. and, like, just, like, the helplessness. I was like, whoa, I don't like this. (laughs) It's so scary. (laughs) Yeah. I I did hear about people having these transcendental amazing experiences as well. But, like, that whole book, like, if you guys want to scare yourselves, uh, it's linked below. (laughs) If you like scary things, read Taken. Yeah. If you're interested in more of the spiritual um, journey that an abduction can provide you with, <laughs> then check out Passport to the Cosmos. I'm curious how, like, abduction, John Mack's first book compared to Passport to the Cosmos, which is the, the follow-up to abduction, Um I'm curious how they read differently because he does acknowledge like his perspective and his like social context and how that influences what he sees mm. or or the lens that he sees these abduction stories through but he's like tries to be really open-minded and I yeah, there appreciate was a, there's a video where he talks about the differences in the book he said that abduction is like the intro it's like the framework and then he felt mm. like what was it connection to the cosmos is that what it's called? Passport. Passport to the Cosmos is like 
it goes further into those uh, concepts. It like takes it into a, a more spiritual or like heady place, I guess. Oh yeah. I'll I'll link the video to YouTube where he talks about the difference in the books because I think he thinks of abduction more of like a textbook and then the other one's more like a commentary or like a you know like Mm. more like psychological or something so and then he does talk about like the things that like everyone experiences and um who are these people that have been abducted and so it's much more like the real world it's like collecting data collecting data exactly yeah and he did write it as a scientific piece and he received a lot of criticism because of how he published it and then he actually had to go yeah. back and rewrite it because he wanted it to be presented more scientifically. So he had to like actually rewrite it. Yeah, he <laughs> references that at the beginning of this book where he's like, you know, when I wrote that book, there was criticism from like the community that he was in at Harvard. And they were like, it wouldn't have been an issue if you had talked about the abduction experiences as some sort of like psychological mm-hmm. um, problem that people were having but you yeah. opened up the possibility that it just wasn't something that we could understand in our framework and so right. now these people are like mm, yeah. well, he we're like critical of you professor of psychiatry and so he's right. actually coming from this place where he's like these people are showing symptoms of actually experiencing something they're not showing mental right. symptoms it's like this doesn't line up <laughs> exactly yeah he's like no this like these people have actually experienced something and that's the only conclusion i can come to is that they have had this and i, I love <laughs> his willingness to say that yeah so yeah. It's, it's just really fascinating yeah we'll make sure that these books are just a tap away underneath in the show notes. Yes. 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 Click the <laughs> link. Um, but that's, that is, that's, <laughs> that's probably good for now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, if you like the topic of aliens or there are specific things that you are curious about regarding, you know, alien abductions or experiences as they potentially relate to spirituality that you'd like to hear us talk about or that you have questions about, then send us an email, send us a message on Instagram. If you've been abducted, if you've done some CE3PO shit C-E-5. like Elena on the beach. <laughs> C-E3PO. Uh, <laughs> um, if, if you've, uh, you know, tried to connect with aliens uh, or have your own abduction experiences, we would love to hear them. So send us an email, you know, or of course our DMs are open. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you on Instagram, spiritual.spectrum.pod. That's it. Is that our yes. handle? It's also in the show notes. Yeah. So click that link Talk as well. Us. Tell us your stuff. And tell your friends. Yeah. If you like our show, tell your friends. Tell your friends Share how weird, weird we are and how like, oh, listen to these crazy people. And, all and like fun. <laughs> yeah. We're like super fun as well. <laughs> yeah. And also tell people that we don't take anything too seriously and we're not here to be right. No. We're just here to We're talk not about here to be stuff. right about anything. <laughs> nope. We're just telling you things we researched a little bit. We just looked a little, <laughs> yeah, looked at something and said, hey, wow, look at that. And then we move right on. <laughs> yep. And maybe I'll read this whole book and maybe I won't. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. We'll catch you in the next one. Bye.
The Spiritual Spectrum Podcast is created and hosted by Taylor Whitmer, produced by Elena Music. Send us your connections to the show at spiritualspectrumpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to include you in a future episode. Connect with us on Instagram at spiritual.spectrum.pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in two weeks.